I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a K car, a nice reliant automobile. And if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you. Welcome back in. You were listening in to the September 21st, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. We are brought to you by the folks at the RotoQL Start, picking teams like the pros. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show, as he so humbly calls himself, he is a DFS writer over at DailyRoto.com. He's a fellow ailing Chicago sports fan like myself. He literally spends most of his life grinding out projections. His site has helped not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but yes, six Millimaker winners, including himself. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them, but hey, the future's so bright, you got to wear shades. I am excited, as you know what, to welcome to the show Drew Dinkmeyer. You can find him on the tweets at Drew Dinkmeyer. Drew, my man, we're ushering in week three. Week two is behind us. What's good, man? Oh, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on and that, that kind introduction. I'm excited for week three. Week two was a little bit of a hiccup for me, so I'm ready to get back at it. Well, we share the same hiccup for week two. Somehow I managed to get on all the wrong chalk and got off of all the early. It's amazing how the, how the, just the NFL pulls you off the plays that you're, you're just so convicted <laughs> about early on in the week. And it's just, it's amazing. But hopefully we're going to help everybody, you know, avoid that as we answer the questions of the week, whether it's, uh, player and team outlooks, dynasty slants, DFS rants, you name it. But Drew, before we dive right in, much more pressing matters here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Welly Maker campaign over at Charity Water. That's at Charity Water on Twitter, charitywater.org. Many on the season-long side for fantasy here might not know or have heard about the Welly Maker charity campaign project. So give us a little rundown here, Drew, how it came about, what's it, all, uh, what's it all about, what the overall goal is. Yeah, so it was a few years ago that I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast, and I had, I had no you know necessary interest or outlook for charity. It wasn't on my mind, but he had a guest on, and Scott Harrison, who's the founder of Charity Water. And it was the most inspirational hour uh, I've ever listened to, of anything. It, it really changed my perspective on a lot of things, and it really spoke to me uh, from a person who had a life that was dealing with excess and helping people enjoy their excess as a club promoter in New York City. I'm similar in the sense that you know I provide content and projections for people that are playing daily fantasy sports, and for most people that are playing daily fantasy sports, that's you know excess income that they have, disposable income to to play with, and uh, he felt like he wasn't really doing much to to help the world around him, and that kind of hit home with me. So. I, I listened and I, the story of Charity Water was really interesting to me. It's a, it's a foundation based on trying to solve the world's, uh, global water crisis where, you know, 660 million people worldwide don't have access to clean, sustainable water solutions. These are people who their days, much of their days are spent having to go and track, uh, water and find ways to get water to their families. And the water is often not even stuff that in the U.S. we would even consider drinkable. Um, so it, it's, it's the, the basis for all, you know, malnutrition and disease around the world. And it's really like the first foundation that you need to, to have a long lasting, you know, healthy, fulfilled life. So I got into the charity water side. I decided, you know, I could raise money for this. I have a platform in the fantasy sports industry. And so last year I started the idea of the Welly Maker campaign, which was basically for anybody who's playing, you know, FanDuel Sunday Million or DraftKings Millionaire Maker. 
uh, just set aside one entry during the course of the season, you know, donate that to Charity Water and Charity Water estimates the cost of uh, providing clean water, clean, sustainable water to one person for their entire lives at $30. So basically one entry would get you pretty close to changing one person's life uh, guaranteed as opposed to taking one more shot at, at trying to change your own life. Just just unbelievably moving stuff, Drew. I mean, it's a type of thing that, I mean, th- this is tangible, right? This is something that we should be doing out there to help people. So many out there, you know, including myself, candidly and admittedly have a little angst about giving to any old charity, right? I mean, it's certainly not that we have an issue with helping people out. Well, I, I'd hope at least for most people, right? <laughs> but it, it's that it's hard to trust these days what's actually charity, what percentage actually makes it to the intended destination, or we simply have maybe our own set charitable routine in place. You know, let, let's be honest, there's some charities out there. Uh, we won't mention any names, Drew, but maybe this one rhymes with uh, Shronald McPronald. Uh, household of sorts, let's let's say. And yes, it's all good and great, and I'm sure it is, right? But when you take a look at the, the numbers underneath, you know, it's probably one of the low on the totem pole in terms of the actual percentage that's given versus the, you know, the, the profitability and revenues and the P&L of the company itself. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about Charity Water, why it's so powerful for you, why we'd be foolish for not giving something, anything to the cause. Yeah, so that that was a big question for me, and it was one that was addressed immediately by Scott Harrison. He said when he founded Charity Water, his first question to all his friends is, you know, I know these people are good people. Like, I hang out with them. They they are willing to help whenever someone's in need, but they don't give to charity. And so I asked my friends, why don't you give to charity? And they said, well, you know, here are some of the reasons. And some of the feedback that he got was, you know, people feel like they're not... Um, they're not incentivized by the cause. They give their money and then they don't hear anything back from the charity until the charity wants more money. They don't know where their donations are going. So they don't feel like they're invested in the fact that I've made a difference. You know, they don't, they don't, they just write a check and then they never hear from them. Um, and they were always concerned that, you know, there's these horror stories about certain charities or charitable foundations being set up as, you know, ways to basically take advantage of people and not actually get the money to the destination. And so, he decided to set up uh, Charity Water in a state that there's two operating funds. There, there or There's two accounts. There's one that's an operating funds account, and then there's one that's all donations. And he goes, personally, Scott Harrison goes to corporations and tries to pitch corporations on funding the operations of the business. So all the natural donations that come in for, from people are going straight to uh, the water resources. And so 100% of your donations go directly to... Uh, these these sustainable clean water solutions that they're building with local partners in these areas, mostly in like rural India, rural Africa, just areas that are you know somewhat forgotten um, in in modern day civilization. And so 100% of your donations go directly to the cause. And then on top of that, they keep you invested in the cause by letting you know as the project is developing, you know how things are going. So I've you know donated to a few causes over the years with Charity Water, and so I've got projects that I'm getting updates on in India, in Mozambique. Um, and I think Nepal was the third one that I've contributed to. So they're, they, they send you updates with, you know, uh, videos or, you know, GPS coordinate links when the, the project is complete and say, show you, hey, here's the impact that your donation made. And to me, that was really important because I wanted to feel super invested in the cause. Now it takes time. You know, your, your donation comes in. If you're donating to the Welly Maker campaign this year, uh, those resources will go out middle of next year to a different project. And the projects often take a year or two. Uh, to to complete and hold, but you're 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 informed along the way as to the difference that your donations are making. And then Charity Water has also done a great job with their social media team and their video team on creating all these videos about people's lives 
um, and how they're impacted. So you can see them. I've posted some of uh, the people of Mali who this year's campaign is going to and the challenges that they deal with on a daily basis. And it's just, I mean, it, it just, it really will kind of shake your perspective and understand that, you know, growing up in the U.S., uh, whether you're from wealth or not, you, you still have a different baseline than a lot of people around the world. And if we could get everybody up to a decent level of baseline, we can guarantee, you know, a certain quality of life that, uh, that I think, you know, people are deserving of. Yeah, just absolutely powerful stuff. And and somehow the, the DFS grinder, the projector, managed to also make the correlation back to baselines along the way. So uh, <laughs> nice, nicely done, Drew. So I'm, I'm about to make my donation to the cause. Everyone out there should as well, but help others out there at this point that maybe at this point they're on the fence or thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I just can't afford to make another donation or a donation uh, to that point. Uh, you know, back to your point about baselines, right? So every time I see the button on the register to to give to this charity or the other, you know, even if I'm going to Wally World, the, the good old Walmart, right? And you <laughs> see, you know, would you like to add a dollar to X Y Z? You know, let's be candid. I do it every single time. Okay, just little yeah. things, little steps along the way. But how can RV Nation out? here do more let's get real we're all doing this fantasy thing and more than likely we're not just playing for bragging rights and jelly beans out there for crying out loud so look if you're out there listening you found rotavis.com you have the sickness you have the football sickness and you are in it for something more how can we turn that football sickness into something great for someone else today yeah so the first thing i'd say is that you know your donation is going to be immediately matched by me uh my wife and i have guaranteed to to match the first forty thousand dollars in donations we have the Wellymaker campaigns pushing towards 35000 so far with about 15000 of that from matches from me. Um, so you're immediately getting value on your on your dollars, right? If you donate $1, you're getting two in, in terms of impact. If you donate 20, you're getting 40 and so on and so forth. The other thing I'd note is that, you know, it doesn't take a lot of money to change someone's life. Charity Water is estimating that $30 will provide sustainable clean water for a person for the rest of their lives. $30 is taking a person who... You know, their family might be trekking two hours to an animal's watering hole to go get dirty water, to use that water for the day for all of their, you know, all their clothes washing, all of their bathing, all of their cooking. And, in, you know, for $30, you can change a, a family's uh, entire life. And generations of families will then have a, uh, access to clean water. So it doesn't take a lot to, to make a big difference. And then on top of that, if, you, if you're really tight right now and you just don't have the funds, just spread the word, man. But just getting the idea out there and the idea that, you know, we can live uh, for for each other as a, as humanity and as society. Um, just spreading that idea and spreading that love is is super important as well. So if you don't have the funds or the resources now, just you know, go to my go to my Twitter, check out my pin tweet, retweet that. Um, just get the message out there, and and you know, we can help more people around the world. All right, Drew. So how do how do they get started today? Uh, tell us again where to find it and uh, how to get set up. Yeah. So my pin, my Twitter and my pin tweet is probably the easiest. You'll get all the information there. But if you just, you know, go to the Google machine and, and type in Wellymaker 2.0, you'll immediately get right to the landing page where you can donate. Uh, you'll see a, a green donate button in the upper left hand. You'll also see more information if you want to read more about kind of my mission and what's gotten me into it. Um, and if you really want to be inspired by a podcast, I would Google, uh, Bill Simmons, Scott Harrison, uh, podcast. It's, it's an hour of listening that completely changed my perspective and changed my life. Just fantastic stuff and, and much commend, commended to going out there and making a difference in other people's lives, even in, in the people that we can't directly tangibly see and touch, but we can get those updates all across the world. So if you're out there, RV Nation, do your part today. 
help out. And we want you to also do your part and uh, maybe a little bit charity uh, on this end for well, as for us as well, right? I mean, you you know you're out there listening to this show. You know, we're doing this for Jelly Beans on our We do it for the love of the game. So get over there and hit your 30% discount to Word of His NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage. And that's wordofhis.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And, oh, by the way, it supports this very pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Road of His channel on iTunes. If you're a fan of the show and you want to sub directly to the Fantasy Football Mailbag feed, do so. certainly takes hard work getting the show out for you every single week. So do us a solid and hit that damn rate button. You can also support the Road of His radio network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon now. That's right, folks. We are up and running on Patreon. Gain exclusive elite access to Road of His Live, our weekly Sunday morning show answering all of your fantasy football questions. Patronships start at just $5 per month. That's it. That'll give you provide, uh, provided exclusive access, again, to Road of His Live, four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts we already provide you every single week for just $5. So become a Road of His patron today and join that elite community of listeners. Just go to patreon.com slash Radio. And last but not least, if you have any questions you want answered on this very show, just email us. We're here for you, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you. All right, Drew, let's uh, dive right in and fire up the QQs for the week. Here we go. Redraft PPR. Hey, guys, loving the show each week uh, and every week. Keep up the great work. Ben, thanks, my man. Ben, appreciate it. I am trying to take down a top-down, trying to take a top-down approach, excuse me, to trades this year. I'm wondering if two weeks in is too small a sample for this, but I want to get a head start on my league. Running back was the position of choice this year per ADP, but it seems like passing is up year over year. Thus, wide receiver seems to be trending up as well. David Johnson is meh. Le'Veon Bell isn't playing. Zeke is in a, a just a, a, a gummy predicted a potential running back bust uh, for first round at this price here. Where are all the zero uh, RB crap folks now? But I digress. Uh, I had a late pick this year. Took Melvin Gordon and Christian McCaffrey despite my ranch here, but only because I knew there'd be better value at wide receiver later. I guess I'm just wondering, you know, should I be selling high on someone like Christian McCaffrey to get a slightly lesser value running back and couple that with an additional wide receiver piece? I have a few leagues uh, with this approach I'm thinking about taking here, and uh, maybe I should be mining for mid-round wide receiver types. So uh, also, do you have a couple names here. So I guess a lot to unpack here. So just general thoughts, Drew, uh, you know, on the wide receiver versus running back position this year. Yeah, I think, first of all, if you've hit two that look like they're they're good in, in the first round, and Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, I'm not sure I'd want to be selling high on them necessarily. <laughs> um, one thing that's really been apparent to us in the first few weeks of the NFL season is just you know, teams have a more concentrated effort on getting the ball in their running backs in the passing game. We see four running backs in the top 20 of total targets. We're seeing running backs now push really high market shares of targets. Christian McCaffrey's up over 30% early in the season for Carolina. And I think part of this is, one, I think the, the NFL adapting and evolving to understand that, you know, the pass is na- naturally more efficient than the run. But I think it's also, you know, the rules adjustments with uh, defenders having to be more careful about kind of how they're tackling and how they're hitting uh, players, I think the the league is trying to make sure that they get the ball in the hands of their running backs and these checkdowns and kind of out in space and then make people make tackles because there's more value added to just having the ball in space where someone can make a tackle because now you got a potential 15 yard penalty on top of it <laughs> on top of whatever efficiency you got in in the passing game. So I think those those running backs who are super active in the pass game early in the season 
are going to be likely to hold their value. I think they're also less likely to battle injury issues if a higher percentage of their touches are in space as opposed to in crowds and uh, among all the defensive linemen. Uh, so I think there's two two concepts here that I'd unwind. One, if you hit on these two guys early with Melvin Gordon and Christian McCaffrey, I probably wouldn't be looking to trade them personally. Um, but I do think there are, you know, second tier wide receivers that early on in the season are probably getting a little bit undervalued just because they haven't found pay dirt yet or they haven't had a big game. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, and Allen Robinson are kind of the three that stand out to me. Uh, Cooks in the, the Rams receivers are all playing 95 plus percent of snaps right now. Uh, Cooks, Cup, and Woods, which is insane. And that Rams offense is going to connect on deep balls at some point during the course of the season. Cooks is the guy that's utilized most frequently there. Uh, Allen Robinson and Corey Davis are just commanding a super high uh, target share and, tar- and and share of air yards early in the season. So those guys haven't found pay dirt yet, but they, they seem to be dominating their offenses and, and probably are a little bit undervalued from some disappointing performances. Yeah, absolutely. Great points across the board there. It is simply a different league out there. It is no more necessary to just continue to lob up, you know, 50-50 balls when you can get folks in space. Nobody can touch you for the first five yards. It's just a different game out there. But, uh, you know, the next one here, Drew, for redraft, PPR, uh, we mentioned it being a different game, but, you know, how is this impacting tight ends here? Does Eric Ebron have a standalone value as more of a streamer at this point? Or uh, I don't want to chase the red zone efficiency, but at the same time, it appears they're putting them in high leverage uh, situations only two weeks in and, and maybe uh, that's making Doyle a little bit less re- relevant also does Will Disley have to be a thing now <laughs> yeah with Ebron you know if you look at the underlying uh, metrics in terms of how how much he's on the field you know his snap count dropped in week two um, he still only has nine percent of the market share of red zone opportunities so far so I know he's he's converted but he only has two red zone targets so I you know I think Ebron's nothing more than a streamer I do think the way they're using him in the red zone is more of a concern to Jack Doyle's fantasy value than it does anything for Ebron's value. Uh, simply because if they are going to feature Ebron in the red zone and he's going to be very touchdown dependent, that makes Jack Doyle especially dependent on just getting a ton of volume. And I'm not sure that'll necessarily be there with the Colts running backs being a little bit more active in the passing game uh, this year. With regards to Disley, I mean, the injury for Doug Baldwin obviously just opens up so much opportunity for all the Seattle receiving options. Um, I think you know, the athletic profile is, is certainly below average. Uh, Russ, outside of Jimmy Graham and the goal line, hasn't used tight ends in a huge way um, in his career. And, you know, their their O-line issues in the past have, have probably limited that a little bit. I'm probably off distantly as, you know, anything more than just a streamer. But that's also the way I treat the tight end position. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have one of these guys up top, you're just rotating through anyway. Yeah, with you there across the board, and I, you know, I look, I'm ashamed to say it, right? But I mean, as long as Doug Baldwin is out, like if you need a streamer and you're looking at Will Disley, like I think he's fine, honestly. Like yeah. even the DraftKings, like I, I, if you want to pay 3.2 for him as opposed to 2.9 for Austin Hooper, like like fine, he's got yeah. a decent matchup right now. I don't, you know, you you can do worse, and there's not much opportunity costs that as well. Um, but you know, if you were buying Drew uh, Will Disley, you know, let's let's talk about your purchases, Drew. So what are your best <laughs> and worst purchases you've ever made? So I think the best purchase I've ever made is my wife and I bought our bought our home, our current home, uh, in 2009, right after the market crash in, in South Florida real estate. And so, you know, we got into this great neighborhood at a reasonable price, a price that I, at when we, you know, we were young, we didn't have a lot of money. So when I first was looking at homes in South Florida, the real estate market down here is crazy. I was like, I'm never going to afford a home. Um, and now we live in this beautiful neighborhood. We've been able to add the things that we want on over the years as we've both made more, more income and 
Uh, so I would say my home, which is the where I spend like the overwhelming majority of my life since I don't go outside much, uh, would be my best purchase. My worst purchase, I would say, uh, th- this will tie back the road of is any league that I've ever done with Davis Maddock, I think has been my worst purchase, specifically the best ball <laughs> of the 2014 season or 2015 season, I think, where we had like a combined 70% ownership on an average cost of like second round Bishop Sankey and third round Michael Floyd. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the Davis Maddock and I pairing works in a lot of senses. It has not worked in fantasy leagues together yet. I keep buying because <laughs> I, I can't, I can't help myself with the entertainment value that it brings me during the course of the year. That's what we do this for anyway. That's what it's all about. And if it comes at the cost of Bishop Frankensanke, who just pummeled me in dynasty leagues all across the board, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I, I personally bought like in 0506, so at the absolute worst time to buy. So he definitely one upped me on there. But it's almost possible that you can take through your best purchase of your home. Could it possibly be your worst purchase? Because I've seen you on, on the social media <laughs> interwebs here, and I, I hear you have a little bit of an iguana problem over there as well. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's South Florida. There, look, there's, there's good things and there's bad things to living in Florida. The, the good thing is generally the weather is really nice and really comfortable and there's water all over. Uh, like, you know, we live in Fort Lauderdale, I live in Fort Lauderdale, which we like to call, uh, at least Fort Lauderdale likes to call them the Venice of the United States because we have so many <laughs> rivers and waterways. Um, but the, the downside is, you know, look, we deal with hurricanes. There's crazy people. Everybody knows about Florida Man. Florida Man <laughs> is roaming at all times. You have to be worried about crazy people. And then there's an iguana problem. And, you know, for me, the iguanas seem to really enjoy my backyard. Uh, they really enjoy lounging on my pool. And, you know, as long as it's one at a time, no big deal. But when they start to hunt in packs, we, we have issues. And so I have to run out there and try to scare the iguanas, hope that they don't run back at me. Because if they do, I'm running right back in the house. And then, and then my whole gig is shot. I won't be able to scare them going forward and they'll just own the yard. But we haven't gone there yet. So that's a good thing. I very much so need to see video of this the next time this happens, Drew. Let's just... so my, my best story on the iguanas is last year during NFL season, my wife was out of the house. And I'm working on lineups. It's about like 12:15, and there's a giant splash in my pool. And I'm like, "What is going on?" And I see like a wave in my pool. And so I walk out, and there's an iguana in the pool. And he sees me. He's like hanging on the ledge. He sees me, looks me in the eye, and just starts going. It goes underwater and starts swimming laps in the pool at like a ferocious speed. Like he looks like a little nurse shark just circling my pool. And I was like, "All right, I don't know what I do. Do I get like..." Do I get like the leaf removal thing and try to get him in the net and like, you know, flip him out of the pool? Like what? And so he starts going around at ridiculous speeds. And I was just like, all right, I can't deal with this. I've got 40 minutes to lock. I got to get back inside. He eventually gets himself out just like sun's on. But I think he dove in from a tree into the pool and did like a <laughs> cannonball. These iguanas are out of control. The fact that he looked at you first and said, hey, I'm about to do uh, swim in your pool and there's nothing you can do about it. Reminds yeah. me of the, the, the dude at the end of Spaceballs like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Oh, uh, we, we're gonna we're gonna move on from there. I'm gonna I'm gonna not derail completely here, but so we're gonna go into DFS here. Uh, pricing seems a little tight this week, Drew. I'm struck with fear of not using Patrick Mahomes despite the inflated week three price. It's also scary not to use either Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey at tight end from a positional scarcity perspective. Any thoughts on initial lineup builds for cash with those positions in mind? I feel the same the same exact way it's going to be tough to get there like that's the thing that i'm not sure i'll be able to afford yet but i i feel if i could build a lineup without any chiefs i'd be terrified 
kind of going into, you know, they have a 31.25 implied total. San Francisco was one of the worst uh, rated coverage units by, you know, PFF, by Football Outsiders. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm terrified of fading Kansas City as a whole with how efficient they've been early in the season. And the volume has been so concentrated. Uh, Kelsey Watkins, Tyreek Hill combined are uh, representing about 70% of the team's targets overall. So you're getting just incredible concentration between those three guys. Um, I, I feel the same way. Mahomes is our top projected quarterback. He's he's easier to get to on DraftKings than he is on FanDuel. Uh, so I will probably try to get up to him. The tight end situation is really tough because if, unless you get off like the Julio, Michael Thomas, the high-priced wide receiver, and just kind of go balanced everywhere, then you can afford a tight end. Otherwise, you're probably playing around in, you know, that stream range where you mentioned like Austin Hooper and Will Disley and Jack Doyle and those types of guys. But, uh, Ertz and Kelsey seem like priced appropriately. They both have really good matchups. So I would like to get there if I could, but it's going to be tough and ultimately will depend on how some of these running back values shake up based on the injury situations during the course of the week. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about being afraid to, to, to fade the likes of Patrick Mahomes. The next person that wrote in is a little afraid to fade the likes of Ryan Fitzmagic here. So he's got three different leagues. Uh, he drafted Ben Rock, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Brees in each of them because they just came at a value. Uh, but now he's wondering if Ryan Fitzpatrick should be started over any one of those guys this week, and does he keep the job over Krabby, uh, Jameis Winston here? Um, so what say you here? This is, this is an interesting one. Nobody expected this from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay came right over the top and just, you know, early and often going deep, hitting Deshaun Jackson here. So does this continue over the likes of these guys? Yeah, so the first thing I'd say is, what are you doing with four quarterbacks? <laughs> like, we need to trim this roster down. Oh, uh, let, me, so, let me clarify. There were, <laughs> there were actually, he's in three different leagues. So he's got Ben Rott starting in one oh, league. Okay. Yeah, and okay. he went and hit that the That makes way. more sense. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was concerned that in all three leagues, he had Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Brees. I was like, man, that's a lot of quarterback investment. It's, a, right, so, it's a super-duper uh, quarterback league. Yeah, yeah exactly. Super-duper um, flex. So, so in terms of Fitzpatrick, I think he's earned the right to be the starter over Jameis Winston, at least upon Winston's initial return from suspension, no matter what happens on Monday night. I mean, going two and one through this schedule to start the season, you know, at New Orleans, Philadelphia at home and Pittsburgh at home, I think anybody would consider that an extreme success for Tampa Bay situation. So I think, you know, short of a, a historically bad performance on Monday night football or injury, I think he deserves the start in week four. Can he continue this? No, obviously not. Uh, we have a long history and sample of Ryan Fitzpatrick that knows what he is. That being said, this is the best skill position talent he has ever played with by a wide margin. They are loaded at the receiver positions, and they know it, and they're throwing the football down the field. And that's a really, really impactful combination when you've got guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard. Uh, Cameron Brate's not even seen the field much, but he's a very skilled receiver as well. They just have a lot of weapons and a very talented offense that if they take a pass-happy approach, they can be successful this year. Uh, Fitzpatrick's protecting the ball early on, and that's the most important thing. So can he continue to be successful? Yes. Will it be at this level? Probably not. Would I play him above Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Brees? That's going to be on a week-to-week basis. And like looking at our projections this week, uh, we actually have Fitzpatrick, I believe, ahead of those, uh, ahead of most of those guys. So um, I'm looking at, I have to get through like a Thursday through Monday contest to get that game on my uh, radar <laughs> here. But looking at the projections overall, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick, as our quarterback four or five, maybe six, somewhere around there. So the only guy we have ahead of him of that list right now is Ben Roethlisberger this week. What is this world coming to, Drew? Well, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? I'd imagine it would not be Ryan Fitzpatrick's hoodie. 
No, so I, I, I'll be honest. I crowdsource some of these questions to other Daily Roto guys because <laughs> I'm not super uh, creative. That's and the pro move. Up, they, that is the pro they, move. They came up with the best answer that I could not possibly beat. I was like thinking and I was like, oh, I got the sentimental idea of like my, my wife's watch. I could always be with my wife and that would be great. <laughs> but they came up with an idea that's much better than that. They came up with the Stanley Cup as the inanimate object that you would be for a year. I mean, you get to see everything with the Stanley Cup. Insane partying, the whole world, everybody on the team gets you uh, for a certain amount of time, and they take you all over. The Stanley Cup would be the inanimate object you would want to be for a year. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the right play. I I don't remember who it was earlier this off season. Somebody mentioned that as well. My only fear of being, you know, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, believe it or not, right? And like I feel like this, <laughs> the Stanley Cup is like the ultimate hotel room just party, yeah, yeah, yeah. party cup, right? <laughs> oh, there, there's 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 I'd imagine there's some great horror stories with the Stanley Cup there, but uh, you know, it, let's move on to uh, what's Probably, maybe, this week's Stanley Cup from a DFS lineup construction standpoint and the viability or not of Corey Clement this week, uh, Gio Bernard at his price, and Tevin Coleman at his price. Uh, so you give your uh, initial thoughts on this so far. So I think all, th- all three are going to be pretty good values. In terms of what it comes down to with which one you want to spend on, I think Corey Clement is clearly the cheapest, but we need more information about Corey Clement's situation. Jay Jai and Darren Sproles both need to be out for Corey Clement to be interesting because we know Philadelphia has this history of rotating running backs around. And the fact that they activated Josh Adams uh, so early in the week from the practice squad, I think is a good sign for Corey Clement being the lead back. But I think it's also kind of a bad sign in the sense that, hey, we're probably still going to use three running backs in this situation. Um, now, taking a running back behind Philadelphia's awesome offensive line, I think is always a good play, especially when they're cheap. So if he looks like he's going to be the lead back, and I'll be following Philadelphia beat reporters <laughs> incessantly this week to try to get a, a better handle on this situation, he's probably the best value of the group. But Gio Bernard, to me, is the most stable. I mean, we've seen Gio Bernard uh, flourish in a full-time role last year when Joe Mixon went down for two games, had a monstrous game against Detroit um, a few years ago. And, and he's just, he's a really skilled back that, you know, probably can't hold up over the course of a full season as a lead back. But when he gets these opportunities in, in short bursts for a month or two, he can carry an offense. And the matchup with Carolina is obviously not particularly great, but Carolina did get run over by a Dallas team that was, you know, missing key offensive linemen. Um, in their starting center. And then in, in week two, Tevin Coleman ran all over them as well. They just didn't give the ball enough to Tevin Coleman. I mean, he averaged like six and a half yards a carry. So I think Gio Bernard and, and Corey Clement are my favored over Tevin Coleman, but I think all three are very interesting in, in DFS, even though their prices are a little bit higher than usually you would get for some of these replacement running backs. Yeah, 100% with you. And I think there's a better chance than not that even if I end up finding out there's a little bit more timeshare involved with Corey Clement, I feel like I'm still going to end up using him even though I shouldn't just because the opportunity cost isn't much. You only need him to do a few things out of the backfield to kind of at least hit value. And quite frankly, I don't know how the hell else I'm supposed to fit in Alvin Kamara. Like <laughs> early on this this week, it was like, this. I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to pay 9.5. I don't know how I'm supposed to get Julio in even at that price. And so you, you kind of, you know, pricing is so tight that you ultimately end up making a concession, even if you end up finding less than, than uh, stellar news, so to speak. I will say my one concern is that I had a horrible dream about Corey Clement uh, this morning <laughs> that I woke up to. The dream was I was so tired Monday at one o'clock or Sunday one o'clock after lock that I went to bed to take like a nap and I woke up past four o'clock and 
and somehow they were playing a 4 o'clock game instead of a 1 o'clock game, and news came out that Ajay and Sproles were available, and I had all this Corey Clement, and I was going to have to do cash game lineup reviews, videos of me playing Corey <laughs> Clement and not using late swap. This is how horrible my, my, my dreams are, that they are solely centered on what could go wrong in the DFS space. Hey, Rotovis fans, Jeremy Hart, Rotovis Radio. Do you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, of course you do. Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. Now, you may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? Well, I'm going to tell you, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster on your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you your player rankings each and every week, and it's also based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com. Download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. All right, Drew. We're gonna jump right back in, and we're gonna we're gonna do it on the right foot here. So we're just coming right back in with the fuck Mary kill. 2018 epically worst coaching and management of all time. Well, I guess of this season, but what the hell? It's all of all time. So we've got the Arizona Cardinals and whatever it is they got going on here. The New York Giants and and the Cleveland Browns. Now I. I, I was remiss not to mention Buffalo here, but for your for your peer <laughs> and your counterpart, I went ahead and left them off. But like, if you want to double up on the F or the M or the K to add Buffalo in there, like I'm all for it. You can you have the creative empowerment. No, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep Leone's friendship uh, for another week at least and avoid <laughs> trashing the Bills on another on another public podcast. I will say so, man. This is a tough one because first, when you look at these three, you got to start this off with who you who you want to kill off first. I don't think you you start off with who you want to marry first. You, marry is like the last resort with these three. But I would say, you know, you you you, you probably want to kill off uh, the Giants first because just the management decisions right there, right? Like drafting a running back number two overall when Sam Darnold's on the board, like kill them off, get rid of them right away. Uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll I'll fuck the Arizona Cardinals. They still got David Johnson. I'll still hang around with David Johnson. Uh, just get Sam Bradford off the field. Get him away from me. Give me some Josh Rosen. <laughs> get David Johnson in the slot running routes again. We can have a couple good weeks together. And then I'll marry the Cleveland Browns because you know what? If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna marry a team, why not marry a franchise that you know has has such a tremendous history of dragging your life down with you? Spoken like a true Chicago sports fan right there. No doubt about it. Yeah, I went the same way on this one. I mean, it, it's funny because Saquon is actually doing his part, doing his role, catching passes out of the backfield, and it doesn't mean shit. It's still a running back that you took in the first round for crying out loud here. Arizona, and I'm always going to be the sad Sam apologist, right? Like, gosh, he looks so bad. Like, what's he got, negative draft, maybe two draft DraftKings points through weeks two weeks but I mean like we saw him at least be good in Minnesota you know at least get the ball out quick like I don't know what the hell they're doing over there in Arizona but it's bad and, and then Cleveland like all we got to do is get rid of Hugh I feel like as long as we can get rid of Hugh we're on our way and we've got something there 
All right, Drew, if you were given full reign to redesign the food pyramid, what would the Drew Dinkmeyer food pyramid look like? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to answer this question the wrong way. I feel like the question is meant to be like, you know, what are the things that like you personally would eat and kind of put in your food pyramid? But for me, it's like, what's the most important things from a nutrition standpoint? So I'd say water first. It's not food. It deserves to be food. It should be the base of all. And, and look, if I'm here pitching charity water, I got to put water at the base of my of my pyramid. Yes. Followed by, followed by veggies. You need veggies. You need fruits and vegetables in your life. Keep you healthy. Uh, keep your body moving. You can live on a full, you know, veggie-based diet, plant-based diet. Next would be proteins. Proteins doesn't have to be meat. Doesn't have to be chicken. Doesn't have to be uh, beef. It can be beans and, and sprouts and different things like that. So uh, proteins, I mean, and then finally fats at the, the food pyramid. So it's not a, a reorganization of the food pyramid as a whole. I will say this. In the fat section, I just like macaroni and cheese. Just give me macaroni <laughs> and cheese at the top of the food pyramid that I can have every once in a while. Uh, let my doctors tell me that I can have as much mac and cheese as I want, and I'm a happy guy. Do, do you have, is there Costco down in Florida? Do they have we do have we do have Costco. And that that place when I was a kid, man, that was the place to go on like a Saturday afternoon. I was like, I'm going to spend two hours in Costco. I'm going to sample everything that they have. I'm going to get myself a full meal, and then I'm going to walk walk around and look at all these giant TVs. I'm going to convince my parents to buy me like 30, uh, 30 packs of Cheez-Its, and this is going to be my Saturday afternoon. Love Costco. Absolutely. Well, they have by far and away the best. Very best uh, macaroni and cheese bake that you can get. Throw it in your throw it in your oven for I don't know thirty minutes, forty five minutes or something. But I mean, it is to die for. It is like the macaroni and cheese bake that you would get. I don't well, I don't think anybody actually serves macaroni and cheese at a wedding. But if they did, it would be this macaroni. Yeah, it would it would definitely be this. So that's the pro move. Get back to Costco and get that mac and cheese. All right, redraft PPR out of Kareem Hunt. AJ Green, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kevin Coleman, Chris Thompson, and Nelson Aguilar. Whew, which two do I sit this week? Yeah, I mean that's a loaded squad, so you got to feel good about your 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 squad on the whole when you're asking to sit like you know some really really strong options here. Um, in terms of our projections, Chris Thompson comes out the weakest, so I think it, it's him off the bat, and then it's between Aguilar. Um, and Tevin Coleman. We've got Juju, or Aguilar and, and Kareem Hunt, sorry. We've got Kareem Hunt a little bit behind Tevin Coleman. I've got AJ Green and Juju as just standards. I don't think in a PPR league you would set those guys re- regardless of matchup, and Juju's got a great matchup in his own right. Um, so it would probably be Thompson than one of Aguilar or, or Coleman or Hunt. I would lean probably Aguilar and, and Hunt just because we haven't seen Hunt in, in the passing game used at all. Only two targets through the first two weeks. Yeah, it, gosh, it's it's unbelievable. And the only it was like they made one design play for him at the one yard line to to you know just scamper out of the corner of the end zone, and and that was it, right? So I mean, you you have to be wondering if you know regression is going to happen, right? But I mean, yeah, I'd be nervous if I have Kareem Hunt right now. And give me give me an extra thought on Chris Thompson here because it, it's hard to project for it, right? Uh-huh. But I mean, this dude is just getting the targets. I mean, he he is a top five target in term uh, running back in terms of overall overall wide receiver or receiving market share on the team here. And it's like, I really want to even use him in DFS. And it, it's hard because he's he's up there in the Tevin Coleman range, right? But I mean, I feel really super safe just getting his his production out of the backfield. Yeah, I think with Chris Thompson, you know you're getting those checkdowns from Alex Smith that are so valuable. And if you can predict the game script correctly, which last week I couldn't because I thought they'd play very well against uh, Indianapolis, this week against Green Bay, you would think they'd play from behind. And that is a lot of checkdown opportunity because we've just seen like Alex Smith to move the ball down the field kind of slowly, not worried about the clock late in games. 
will just kind of take his, you know, six, eight yards at a time through checkdowns, and that's a lot of value for Chris Thompson. The, the challenge for Chris Thompson is just where where's the touchdown volume going to come from? Because it's basically going to have to come from, you know, big plays. Um, it looks like they're going to use Adrian Peterson heavily in the red zone. But, yeah, he's he's awesome. He comes with a really good floor, and he comes with the occasional ceiling if the game script gets right. The challenge with projecting him is, you know, he's a guy that, has been uber efficient above above efficiency expectations relative to his workload and so i feel like we're always a little bit low on a guy like him we've always been a little bit low on a guy like tyree kill because it takes time to kind of figure out where the true efficiency baseline is for a player like that Mm -hmm. and when they're beating uh the market of opportunity by so much you end up having to regress them down a little bit at least we do and that ends up kind of hurting their overall projection so chris thompson guys like tyree kill that kind of our super efficiency masters we struggle with from a projection standpoint. Now, you talked about efficiency. Alex Smith has been just a model of efficiency over his career. Blake Bortles was super efficient last week versus New England, but it sounds like Leonard Fournette is probably more likely to play than not here. Um, but if you were going to stream either Alex Smith or Blake Bortles, who would it be? And then, of course, if you're streaming defenses between the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Browns this week, which way would you lean? The person uh, that brought this question forth here is leaning Cleveland because they just seem legit on that side of the ball. Yeah, I I agree on the defensive side. I think Cleveland we have rated as like our fourth or fifth highest projected defense this week. Um, So I certainly like the Dallas Cowboys quite a bit in DFS. They're really, really cheap, but a road game in Seattle is not as valuable as a home game on a short week against, you know, a rookie quarterback. So I would agree with the Cleveland Browns on the defensive side of the ball. Their pass rush is awesome early in the season, and they've held opposing running backs to 3.8 yards per carry in the first two games of the season when those offenses are, you know, Pittsburgh and New Orleans. So very impressive work early in the season from Cleveland's defense. Smith or Bortles, it's interesting. My instinct is Bortles, but our projections like Alex Smith a little bit more, and partially because, you know, Green Bay in the past, historically, when they've given up touchdowns, is through the air. And Washington's offense historically has been very touchdown heavy through the air. And with an inefficient running back behind him and Adrian Peterson, we expect much of their implied team total uh, to come from passing touchdowns. So uh, we like with with Leonard Fournette back with uh, Bortles, that skews a little bit more run touchdown distribution to Jacksonville. Uh, we like Alex Smith a, a little bit more than Bortles. Yeah, ah, geez, and and it, you don't you don't feel like I I am. The biggest Alex Smith, one of the biggest, I, I'm not the biggest, I mean, that's our good buddy old pal Sal, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I took Alex Smith everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And now it's like, man, we just we need to be able to get the ball down the field. Like, I like the Chris Thompson production, but, like, something has to jive. they got to get Jamison Crowder more involved there. I, I think Paul Richardson can do his part, so I don't know. Jeez, I, I, just pick it up over there, Alex, pick it up. Uh, Drew, Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today. Maybe something that will get Alex Smith some downfield targets this year. <laughs> so I'm going to steal this one again. I found uh, my, my buddy Andy, uh, who goes by Dirty Rush on Twitter, tweeted this out yesterday just as I was preparing for the show. And I was like, yep, I'm stealing that. Uh, he <laughs> said dat- dating app that matches uh, people based on like their Netflix queues or their Spotify lists or different things like that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, we're getting to a point where you're just giving all of your data away uh, to everybody anyway. So might as well give it to all the dating apps. And at least, you know, you can meet uh, somebody who likes to watch, you know, Ozarks or stand-up comedies with you. Or you can, you know, watch, uh, uh, meet somebody who, you know, likes to watch, uh, I don't know, Walking Dead and, and zombies and whatnot. I mean, that's like just a simple API plugin, too. Like, that could be easily done. That is ingenious. Now, I feel like the one missing part, though, if you're going to just do it on, like, Netflix and Spotify and things of that, like, what it doesn't still account for is just, you know, like, the the crazy ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that, 
you know, yeah. has has 200 recent dialed calls to, to their ex or something, right? So I feel like as long as you can also somehow sync in the recent call log, I think we're on to something there. There you go. <laughs> All right, season outlook, Drew. Can you talk a little bit about Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Quincy Anunwin, rest of season? Are these truly wide receiver ones like the two weeks of production would suggest? I own them in a couple leagues and want to target them in a couple other leagues and get them before their owners maybe realize what they're actually sitting on. I think they're really strong wide receiver twos. I don't think they're wide receiver ones, but I, these were all guys that I was targeting heavily during the best ball draft season. Kenny Galladay is one of my highest owned players on the whole. The way they're using him in Detroit is very encouraging. He's leading the team in snaps at the wide receiver position. They're utilizing him all down the field, whereas like Marvin Jones, almost all of his targets are either you know red zone, end zone targets or kind of down the field. Kenny Galladay is being used in the intermediate. He's being used in the short passing game. He's being used down the field. They are, they are featuring him. So he's the guy that I'm most excited about about that group because I think he's on the offense that can generate the most touchdowns condensed in his direction. Chris Godwin, I think, needs an injury to Mike, Mike Evans or Deshaun Jackson to be a wide receiver one. Otherwise, I think he's a really stable wide receiver too. If they're going to throw the ball, you know, 70% of the time in the red zone, you're going to get opportunities. And Chris Godwin's been very, very productive. And then Quincy Inunua is just like Sam Darnold's security blanket, which there's nothing better from a fantasy wide receiver that costs absolutely nothing during the offseason to be the security blanket for a rookie quarterback and get fed targets. And they're doing a lot of things, getting Darnold on the move and moving the pocket that involve Quincy Inunua kind of in motion and kind of coming on these drag routes. Um, it, it's perfect. It's a perfect marriage between the two guys. I hope Quincy Inunua can stay healthy because I think he's got a really, really good skill set. Um, he's probably the most attainable would be my guess just because his draft cost was so free during the course of the season, maybe him or, or Godwin. Uh, but all three of those guys I was in on in the preseason, I'm still in on going forward. Yeah, I, I was all about Kenny G, uh, Binky Anunwa. That's what we're going to call him now, Binky yeah. Anunwa. There it is. Um, I didn't, man, like, I liked Chris Godwin as much as the next. I just, I, I just freaking misread that whole Tampa Bay situation, if we were going to be real. Like, I liked him. I just, it was like you had to reach up to get him. You know, Patrick Mahomes is another guy in, in best balls. Like, you had to reach up to get him. And I was like, I just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait a couple more rounds. I'm going to come, I'm going to wait a couple more rounds. I don't have, I'm not exposed to Patrick Mahomes in best balls like I should. And it just feels so bad. Oh, yeah. I, I have all the Ben Roethlisberger, so I felt better last week than I did week one. <laughs> uh, but he was in that range where it was like Stafford, Mahomes, Roethlisberger. And I kept choosing Big Ben over Mahomes. And so I don't have as much Mahomes either. But uh, all three of those guys, I think, are, are really good targets. Uh, Chris Godwin, I, the Tampa Bay situation, Mike Evans is the guy that I got really wrong. I just I thought there was too much competition for targets. And early in the season, he has proven me very wrong. I have very little Mike Evans, and he was he was going you know, mid-third round at points uh, during the draft season. That, that looks like a great value now. If anything, the coaching staff has proven the old coaching staff wrong. I mean, they yeah. have just they have reprofiled him as his depth of target has changed, his yak is changing. I mean, wow, what do you know? He doesn't need to just go for 50-50 jump balls 100% of the time, right? <laughs> and imagine what happens. It's just, gosh, coaching. Gotta love it. All right, week week three, uh, either or rapid fire. Here we go. Saquon Barkley, James Conner. James Conner. Kareem Hunt, Chris Thompson. Ooh, Kareem Hunt. <laughs> Tyreek Hill or Juju? Oh, boy. Uh, I'll go with Tyreek Hill. Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton. Brandon Cooks. I'm big on Brandon Cooks this week. Yes. Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz? I'll go Kelsey. Jared Cook, Kyle Rudolph. I don't think I've ever chosen Kyle Rudolph in any <laughs> 1v1 in my entire life. 
in, in season-long drafts in DFS. <laughs> so I'll, I'll stick with Jared Cook. So I think you like Jared Cook, okay? <laughs> Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes? Uh, Pat Mahomes. Wow. 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 Where are we? Sick. And Ryan Field of Magic or Deshaun Watson? I'll go, I'll go Deshaun Watson. Oh, Giants boy. have struggled uh, containing running quarterbacks early in the season. I'll go Deshaun Watson. All right, Drew, take a favorite or popular movie. Change one letter in the title. What's the new movie? What's it all about? I also crowdsourced this one, and uh, <laughs> the Daily Roto guys came up with The Deported, which is you know a, a modern-day <laughs> look at American society. Yeah, we. What's so great about that is, uh, okay, so Kevin Cole was on the show last week, and I don't think we we had trouble coming up with something, right? And I end, I we ended up doing um might might club, you know, basically just <laughs> a, a show about millennials sitting in their ba- mom's basements talking about how they might change the world, right, and not actually doing anything. And that was like the the great poll about it. Well, anyways, I think one of them, I, I, he couldn't remember what what it was before the show, and I offered up deported a take on departed, which was about oh my gosh, so yeah. Apparently, there's some smart people that you're talking to in crowdsource. Well, either that or they're just not very creative because that's the same one I came up with. As well. Yeah, I think I think that's the chalk answer because it was so quick. I it was like they they immediately reacted like they had heard it before. So I'm I'm guessing that they probably stole this from somewhere. <laughs> All right, uh, team outlook PPR. Please opine on the prospects of the New England pass catchers going forward. I thought of a sly getting a shit ton of Chris Hogan this year. Naturally, I use him in week one in a great matchup. He shits the brick, and I bench him in week two in a terrible matchup. Any uh, of course just shits gold all over my carpet. Now I have to deal with Josh Gordon potentially making him and my Edelman shares uh, the carpet Chris Hogan took a crap on. So is there a god? <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a god. Um, there's no there tilt is, in this question. I, I can promise you that. Um, I thought Chris Hogan was getting a little bit overdrafted in at least in best ball season when he was kind of going early mid four. Uh, I thought that was fine for four weeks of production but when once Edelman got back there was a possibility that he was kind of third in the pecking order and then you've always got those running backs that, that, that skew the production as well. Going forward, I think ultimately this depends a lot on how they utilize Josh Gordon. I, I expect the first few weeks what they'll do is they'll give Josh Gordon a very simple package of, you know, plays that he's going to play. And he'll probably play like, you know, 20% snap share or something like that, but be heavily utilized either as, you know, somebody to stretch the field and kind of open up the, the underneath passing game, um, or somebody to kind of get the ball in the hands early and see him make plays. Uh, just to see what they have. And then once they have like him comfortable with a specific set of plays, I think they'll start building on that. But I think it's going to take time for Josh Gordon, which means Chris Hogan still has a few more weeks that are really intriguing, especially you know against Detroit without Darius Slay, most likely it looks this week. Uh, that should be a potentially productive spot. But after that, once Edelman comes back, I think it's going to be a lot of games where he has you know four to six targets. And it just depends on if he finds the, the end zone. He's He's been successful in the red zone with Tom Brady. It's just and, and he does work routes deep down the field. I don't know if those will get replaced by Josh Gordon. Uh, but I think if you're a Chris Hogan owner right now, you, you obviously have to be concerned. Gosh, I mean, the narrative is just too easy on this one for, for Gordon just to go out there and run the Randy Moss nine route, right? I mean, yeah, it's just too easy. Like, you don't need to learn the playbook for that. If you just say, okay, just run up the field, and if you're open, we'll, we'll throw it to you as you learn the playbook. And, I mean, I, I mean, they literally benched their best player in the secondary in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud, because of a weed situation and maybe some back yeah. off to the coach. And, and now they bring in Josh Gordon, who has a weed situation. Like, what is going on in this league? I'm so confused, Drew. I don't, I don't get it. 
Yeah, it, every you know, morals are are often uh, convenient for people, and I think I think that's <laughs> essentially what happened here. Uh, a necessity arose in the fe- in this in the sense that they don't have the ability to get the ball down the field right now, and uh, there was there was a player that fit that need. And I think going back to the Super Bowl last year, I think they probably thought they could handle the Eagles without Malcolm Butler. Is my guess. Well, there it went. <laughs> Redraft, uh, PPR. Hey, fellas, I drafted Antonio Brown, AJ Green, Mike Evans, and Doug Baldwin, yet I can only start three each week. I was offered Christian McCaffrey for Mike Evans, and my current running backs of Rex Burkhead, Deion Lewis, Chris Carson, and James Conner are shaky. I'm inclined to accept, but love having the three monster-wide receivers each week. Any thoughts? I would definitely take Christian McCaffrey for Mike Evans immediately. Uh, I don't even need to know what the rest of the roster is, honestly, in a PPR league. I just think McCaffrey is so safe in a, in a PPR league because of the foundation of these, these check down passes that he's going to get and the things in the screen game and how they're using him. Um, I do, you know, I do have bad news for this user if they were concerned about only starting three of AB, AJ Green, Mike Evans, and Doug Baldwin. I think that decision has been made for you for, for a little bit here. I don't think we're going to be seeing Doug Baldwin for quite a while. No, and even when he does come back, I mean, it was the injury to the one leg and then the injury to the yeah. other leg. I mean, even if you're back, I mean, you know, there's a certain element of unquantifiability here. And, you know, it's just him not being very confident and being able to cut, right? So I don't I don't know. And, and yeah, I don't, you know, the person that offered up this trade, I mean, you're clearly taking Christian McCaffrey here. Like, who are his running backs? That's what I want to <laughs> freaking know, that you're offering up C-Mac here. For for Mike Evans, and don't get me wrong, I love Mike Evans here, but I mean, I I don't I don't get it. I mean, I don't know. He must have Melvin yeah, Gordon. It's, I, it, it it makes very little sense because both guys are obviously performing, but McCaffrey in draft season was going in a PPR league was going you know full round round and a half higher than Evans. So I'm surprised. Usually you get offers that are in the other direction where you're mm-hmm. paying a round and a half of value, not getting a free round and a half of value. So it's it's pretty surprising. I jump on that one immediately. All right, last but not least, Drew, sizzling, smoking, scorching, hot take for week three. Brandon Cook's 150 yards and a touchdown this week. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go, let's go. I've been having Brandon Cooks in my crosshairs all week here. Also, Sammy Watkins, but, uh, yeah, well, well, maybe I should table that one. I shouldn't even say that out loud, Drew, but, hey, he's a chief, so here we go. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, Road of His Podcast, and we are dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, submit them via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at roadofhisradio, using the hashtag RV Mailbag. Drew, many thanks for carving out the time, coming on the show. Uh, tell us all about Daily Roto really quick, how people can get signed up there, like myself as a proud member of the Daily Roto community. And, of course, remind us again why and where we're going to get over to CharityWater.org. Yeah, so over at Daily Roto is where you can find all my projections, all my premium content. Mike Leone and myself work on all the projections. Uh, we have two podcasts during the week to kind of walk you through. We have a bunch of other uh, strategy articles and podcasts that we do. I do lineup reviews. Mike does articles on chasing the FanDuel Sunday Million. We have range of outcomes projections. We have an optimizer. We have pretty much everything you need to kind of set your lineups from a DFS perspective. And I think one cool thing that we we're trying to do is engage our community. So we have a Slack channel that's very active that people are in all the time giving feedback. And then we've also got this subscriber promotion or sweat promotion this year where if you're a subscriber to Daily Roto, every single week of the season, we draw 10 names out of a hat that are the subscribers and they get a free roll where uh, Jeremy Stein, who's won two separate $1 million prizes, our CEO at SportsGrid, he plays uh, under the username Bob Sacramento on FanDuel. And 50% of his winnings on a, on a given week go to our subscribers. And we split that up among the 10 people. So you get a 5% free roll equity uh, that you're available to, to be in a contest for every single week if you're a subscriber uh, over at Daily Roto. So we pick 10 guys a week. 
And uh, and hopefully we'll hit something big this year and people will get to share in with us. But we're really trying to build the community over there. With regard to the Charity Water stuff, you know, check out my Twitter. A pin tweet over there has all the information you need about kind of why I got motivated by this cause, um, how to donate if you'd like to donate um, and, and, um, and, and make a difference in, in, in people's lives. Fantastic stuff across the board. Really appreciate everything you're doing out there in the community and for everyone across the world. And uh, I, I think you've got the better Jeremy and Jeremy Stein over there, too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you're listening to this show and you like this show, just go on over there. It only gets better. So, uh, again, out there, do not forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.